Hey, this is Cheney Crab from Entheos, and you're listening to the Vulgar Display of Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Vulgar Display, a podcast live from the Barn Studios. You got the mocks here with Anthony. Anthony, what's up, my man? What's up? How are we doing? We're doing really well. We are excited. We have Chaney from Entheos on the line with us right now. Chaney, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me, you guys. You are somewhere in the middle of Cleveland right now, I hear. Yeah, we're. Uh, so our show last night was in Worcester. Uh, Massachusetts and tomorrow we're playing in Detroit so we're like an, on an off day right now in between the two places and we're driving to like just outside of Detroit right now so I'm literally in the van on the road <laughs> calling it well we appreciate just, uh, you taking your time off with your only day off in a while it looks like you're pretty busy on this tour right now we're actually going to be catching you Friday May 12th in St. Louis Missouri with Whitechapel Archspire, Signs of the Swarm, and you guys, and we are excited for that show. That's a heck of a tour package there. Yeah, I mean, this tour so far, so we're a week into that tour, and we're going to see you guys like a day before the last show, which I'm super excited about. I love playing St. Louis, and it seems like shows over the years have like started going there less and less. So I'm, I was immediately excited when I saw that day. This tour has been so crazy, like Every night's awesome. The bands and the hangs are awesome. You know, we like have known Whitechapel for a while and we tour with Archspire like pretty constantly at this point. So it's cool to it's cool to be out here with them and see everyone killing it. So is uh, I have to ask you, is Dean, you know, from Archspire, is he as funny in real life as he is on his YouTube channel? <laughs> yeah, I I have the opinion. I think Dean is the funniest member of Archspire, actually. I think people will give it to Ollie because they see him like uh, tell jokes on stage. But low key, Dean, Dean Lamb, funniest member of Arts Man, putting in De- my vote. Dean's where it's at, huh? <laughs> yeah, I love Dean. We're He's all great. we're all Dean all day, man. I, I I love to follow him on there and watch all his stuff. Watch you guys' stuff too. You know, part of I think part of the uh, the narrative with you guys right now is is sort of going viral. You know, like it brought the attention of. Howie Mandel, I hear that Drake is following you guys now. So you guys are like the hottest thing on the internet right now. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, uh, I never would have guessed that that was a thing that became a part of the narrative of our band. But over the past couple of years, it definitely has. That's true. It's like during COVID, there wasn't much else to do except for kind of go crazy with the videos on the internet. And luckily for us, ours kind of seemed to get some traction on there and you know, have helped the band grow and and help it become even more sustainable than it was before. And it's pretty, yeah, I can't believe that Drake follows us. I mean, that's <laughs> weird. <laughs> that's bizarre. Do we have any idea of how that happened? Was there a connection there? Or was it the Howie Mandel thing? Or how do you think you came across his radar? I have no idea. I know that, the, that I'll see my videos kind of get shared around like the rap community sometimes. So I don't know if that like Doja Cat has commented on a video before. Wow. And I don't know if that was how I just it's hard to tell, you know, how stuff gets from point A to point C. But 
the internet is just wild in that way, I guess. I do think you guys do a good job of that, of like sort of managing, you know, some of that viral stuff and the 60 second clips and, and some of that world, which we live in now, but then also your art and I know your albums and especially this new album seems to be very important to you and you take it very serious. So it's like juggling those two worlds. I'm sure that's not easy. Yeah. You know, I guess that's why like from the beginning with these viral, with the putting videos on the internet, you know, a lot of people, Nowadays, the thing is to put a bunch of covers uh, of other people's songs or of popular songs on the internet and kind of try to get some steam off of that. But we just never wanted to be a, like a cover band. We always wanted it to be the band first, and we needed to find a way to like make the internet work for that and not make it two separate things. So making videos of our own songs has always been the goal the entire time. And luckily that's helped lead people to the band even more. It's pretty fascinating to watch though. You know, I'm, I mean, I like came of age right as MySpace was starting to take off. So I've seen bands, you know, go viral on the internet before, like job for a cowboy to me, was like the first band that that happened to. And it's just, it's just sort of fascinating to see how the internet works. Yeah, we're seeing a, a rise of that now with bands like Sleep Token. Um, there, it seems like any any music page now is is reporting on that band. It's it's crazy what totally. hit, what hits and misses totally. is, is insane to me. Yeah, I agree with that. It's um, it's kind of an art in itself. You know, you have to figure out like what there are certain parts of songs that may not do as well as other parts of songs uh, as far as like a quick clip goes. You know, so it's. It's just interesting to see how bands use it and how bands evolve really quickly. Because, I mean, like, we saw all there were all of these, like, early YouTube people who used to make, like, who would just do covers of a bunch of songs. Like, the one that comes to the top of my mind is Alex Rudinger, who is a drummer who would, like, post a bunch of drum covers back in the day. And, you know, the internet really, really helped Alex get into sick bands and have a, a career as a drummer. And, yeah sleep token i mean it's it's cool to watch that the evolution of it and how people continuously like move the the internet forward yeah and i think it's part of it's embracing it right you know like you could be an old boomer and say well back in my day we did this (laughs) or you can embrace it and for the record i'm on the sleep token wagon like i I might be driving that thing (laughs) that stuff is just too that that stuff is those songs are just too damn catchy for me like i'm loving it yeah, they're catchy songs. And you're totally right. It's like some people, I've seen it happen to people who I know. They just kind of refuse to get on the internet. Or, yeah, you get caught in that on you dumb kids stuff. And then <laughs> yeah. you might not like. But to me, I think that that's the cool thing about like the world is that if you learn to use all of these tools to your advantage and you can really, really, you know, get an advantage from doing that i think that it's important to kind of keep your your mind open to all of that shit one of the coolest things that when listening to this record uh this record is really it feels and sounds like it's just one long song uh the the one track goes into the next goes into the next and seamlessly how was that writing that process and was that designed to to be that way yes it was totally designed to be that way and naveen is the person who made you know, instrumentally, the entire album flow together as one song. And I mean, what he's 
kind of said is just that he couldn't find a logical stopping point. So it made more sense to like make dynamic shifts in the album and kind of figure it out later. So we didn't really like pick out singular tracks. We didn't make it a nine track album until after it was written instrumentally, just by going through and kind of listening and saying, okay, this is a logical end right here. But yeah, that was really the writing process. And then that helped lend itself to me writing the lyrics and, you know, writing it as a concept album about time, essentially. And uh, so, yeah, I guess that's just like the prog nerds inside of both of us that kind of came out with one long song concept album. And I really like when albums flow that way. A lot of my favorite albums, you just have to listen to it front to back because it's got that, you know, you... I like when the albums are all tied together and it's not, it doesn't just feel like a bunch of singles that you don't really understand why, why they're working together. So yeah, it's something I guess that we didn't plan on doing, but we did want to do. So it worked out. I'd say mission accomplished on that. And I'm, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm the same way. I like to listen to albums as a full piece. I think it's like the old Pink Floyd fan in me, right? Like, cause you can't listen to dark yeah. side of the moon and like skip around. Hell no, you know, it wouldn't be the same. And Dark Side of the Moon, that, that album is a huge influence to me. That album covers time and, you know, all of that, all of those like existential topics of life. And yeah, you, I, I enjoy when you can't really skip around on an album. You have to listen to it as one piece. So I have a question for you. Because the musical is so technical, does that put like added pressure on you for like the timing, especially live? I would say, is that, is that an extra stressor for you with your vocals and your vocal styling? Um, you know, it's not, I wouldn't call it a stressor. It's just like a kind of a, a fun thing that I get to play around with. And it, it might seem like crazy, but it once, when you get those parts like down to razor sharp, razor, like sharp, precision live it feels so goddamn good to just be able to like come in on it you know and i i don't sit and count music live it's just feel at this point and things start to feel more natural you know maybe it's a little jarring in some points when i hear it the first time through but it just all kind of becomes natural with repetition so it's it's easy once i hit like a live setting to be able to just kind of roll with the song and I don't even really look at the songs as having weird time signatures as strange as that may sound like it just it all kind of feels 4-4 to me I don't know it's just I guess it's just you know the time and the practice really and I know with the lyrics you know this time around with with I know you experienced a, a traumatic incident with a wreck were the lyrics, I'm sure it's inspired by that, but did they come easier to you in the, for this record? Or is this mo more of an emotional record for you? It's definitely more of an emotional record. And, you know, um, I don't know if they came easier. It's just, that's something that I've just grown to do throughout my life. I just like, lyrics are how, are a cathartic expression for me. So when something like this happens, it's like, it, makes it easier for me to deal with the situation as opposed for it making, you know, to it making it easier for me to write lyrics because I'm always writing lyrics, but it, it helps get through something that is a pretty traumatic thing and kind of express myself on paper and, you know, be able to get like all of the, the thoughts out. So when you are writing lyrics, do you have music in mind that you want 
to place with that with said lyrics or do you just always wait until you hear the the music to know which lyrics fit in the song so i like will write lyrics in between uh, i don't have to have music and what i do is like i'll hear a song and i let the song emotionally like guide me emotionally but i will go back through lyrics just to see if i have any sort of uh like lines that will fit in specific songs I don't like force any weird stuff in, but I do. Uh, so yeah, I, I really am writing all the time. It's kind of like writing poetry, you know? And if I think that I have a good line, I like to save a bunch of stuff on my computer and, a, a, you know, word documents and stuff. And I'll just kind of scroll through it once it comes time to write a new album. With this new record, it also sounds like you've pushed yourself vocally too. I mean, you're, I would say one of the most versatile singers, screamers in, in metal right now, you're able to do a lot of different genre stylings and uh, even have some clean vocals on this record. You want to tell us about the vocal stylings on this record? Yeah. So that's really always my goal. I just always want to be able to do more things and have more like colors to my palette to be able to paint the pictures with, you know, I like all kinds of different vocal styles. Um, and I think that it can become really easy to get caught up and maybe just doing like some highs and some lows or even just being more monotonous with screaming vocals. And I've always, when I was a kid, like, so Despised Icon was one of my favorite bands, right? And I, I always wanted to be able to be both of the vocalists in Despised Icon at once. Like, I didn't want to be in a band and have someone be like, we, we should get another vocalist just to like do all the things that you can't do. Yeah. So... <laughs> So ever since I was a kid, I've just like kind of wanted to be able to do as much as possible. So I've always tried to learn new things. And even now, like I'm doing things live that I didn't really put on time will take us all. And I'm sure that I'll, you know, like I'm doing like, I guess they call them like slam breeze. I'll throw in sometimes at certain parts and stuff, but I'm just always trying to learn stuff. And I'm sure, you know, the next record will have even more weird stuff on it that i've learned to do <laughs> where do you draw your your inspirations from yeah i mean i draw inspiration from literally everything i think that you know something as monotonous as like just getting up and doing the same routine thing every day that can that can make some lyrics just like looking outside and hanging out with someone and I, I don't just conversation or seeing things or going on a walk or watching a movie or listening to a podcast, anything, literally anything can serve as inspiration. And I, I don't know. I never really know where it all comes from, I guess, but I just feel pretty inspired, like constantly. It's honestly like how I deal with like being a human. Like I grow older and I see people that I love maybe like, fall into weird situations or I fall into weird situations and people die and you know it's so you've been out on tour for like what'd you say maybe 10 days or so yeah so this is we're about I think this is like day eight of this tour and then right before this this is in the U.S. with Whitechapel and Archspire and Signs of the Swarm and we just got back from Europe with Archspire so we had like a 10-day break and so I think we're honestly, I'm going to count this as like week six of tour. Oh, wow. right, right. You didn't get a lot of time <laughs> off. And actually, I think the first time we were supposed to talk to you, you guys were across seas. So yep. is, there, oh, yeah. is there anything that you do to keep, I mean, I know you're working it over and over 
each night or, you know, most of the time, is there anything that you do to keep your vocals, you know, prepared for all the touring that you guys are going to be doing this year? You know, I do, I do different things depending on how my voice feels. I'm, I always like, will have a cough drop and kind of like, you know, help soothe my throat. Um, I just drink like a lot of water and try not to, so I, I like will speak with a quieter voice and try not to overactivate my vocal cords. But yeah, it's, like overseas uh, their first couple of days of tour i was like getting super bad bloody noses and i thought it was affecting my voice a little bit so i got one of those like big vapor of masks and i honestly just play it by ear you know the voice it's so it's so strange to like keep to like figure out how to how to use it every single day and how to like maintain it every single day but i think everyone kind of has like a, a thing that works for them and yeah, just for me, it's just kind of taking it easy and not like overextending my myself, really. I kind of have a funny story about that. Is uh, yeah. we do a lot of different interviews with a lot of different genres, and we had an interview set up with a pretty well-known country singer, and his publicist said, "Well, we're not sure about the interview because he's on vocal restriction." And I was like, yeah, bullshit. You just don't want to talk to us small timers, right? <laughs> and uh, well, then we get him on the phone and I can barely even understand what he's saying because his voice was so bad. I was like, oh, shit, they weren't kidding. Like, it was very apparent that uh, that he was struggling with his with, uh, you know, maintaining his voice. And I think it was he's a little bit older, too. So I think uh, the touring kind of got to him. But that was a little, you know, that was a little slide at me for thinking that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, you know, everyone's got like a different you know, people use just different aspects of their voice, so it affects them differently. I have friends who are like, they'll like yell when they're speaking to people after shows and stuff, so they kind of blow out their voice a little quicker. But yeah, I mean, it's all about just kind of doing what works for you. And that's why you'll see a lot of these, like on this tour, for instance, that we're doing right now, we have off days like every couple of days because I think, you know, Phil, who's the vocalist of Whitechapel, probably needs to I mean, he's doing like an hour and a half long set. Jeez. So he's probably trying to rest that voice, you know? You have to do it because this is like what we all, it's our career, you know? You want to keep the thing that's keeping your career going, going. Yeah, and that's got to be a little bit more important for on Phil's front because, I mean, they're doing specific songs on this on this tour. It's not like they can just change the setup, the set list to accommodate any uh, vocal problems he may have. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're doing a lot of, it's like a lot of, he's doing a lot of singing, a lot of screaming and a lot of like going back and forth and stuff. So yeah, you can't, you got to take care of that voice for sure. So I will say he sounds so goddamn good every single night. He's such a consistent vocalist and I really, really admire that about Phil. Yeah, and he gets he gets our approval over here too. Yeah. He's, he's one of the top vocalists in metal, as you are. We can't wait to see you Friday, May 12th. At Red Flag in St. Louis, Missouri. Shows at 7, doors at 6, $25 to get you in. Hell of a lineup. White Chapel, Archspire, Signs of the Swarm, and you guys. We cannot wait to see you. And we are uh, all checking out this album. Time will take us all out. Metal Blade Records out now. Cheney, we appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It's been fun. Greatly appreciate you and looking forward to seeing you at that show. It's going to be awesome. Can't wait. Oh, yeah. We'll see you in a few weeks. Hell, yeah. Have a good night, guys.